Sawbones is a show about medical history, and nothing the hosts say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. It's for fun. Can't you just have fun for an hour and not try to diagnose your mystery boil? We think you've earned it. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy a moment of distraction from that weird growth. You're worth it. All right. Tommy is about some books. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Sawbones, a marital tour of misguided medicine. I am your co-host, Justin McElroy. And I'm Sydney McElroy. Uh, Sydney, I have been watching a great new show uh, that I've been wanting to turn you on to. Oh, no. No, no, no. You'll like this one. It's... No, you're always wanting me to watch TV, and it's almost always depressing. No, no. This isn't depressing. This is a show called Hannibal, and it is about a uh, FBI scientist, specialist, smart fella who solves serial killings with the help of his trusty psychologist, uh, Hannibal Lecter. Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Right. That I'm sure that's very uplifting. I, I'm sure that's not depressing it's or dark at all. It's not. It gets a little. Uh, I tell you, it's really good. The only thing about it, though, the more I watch it, I watch it my season and a half, I'm starting to get a little suspicious of this Dr. Lecter. You mean? I I think there's something else going on here. Well, I mean, you mean Hannibal Lecter, right? Yeah, that's the character's name, Hannibal Hannibal Lecter. Like, like, I mean, from the movies, right? Are are there movies? You don't, you don't know about, I mean, you don't know about the movies? It's a story about, it's about an FBI guy named Will Graham and his like buddy, who's a psychiatrist, and they just solve crime together. Right, his buddy Hannibal Lecter. His buddy like, Hannibal Lecter, but I'm like, I'm starting to suspect there's something a little off about him. Right, like maybe, little, maybe. Like, maybe he's, uh, I don't know, maybe he's got like a secret, a secret past. Maybe he's like not as nice of a guy, or maybe yeah. he has like a, an alcohol problem. What, no, no, I mean, it's not that. Shopaholic. No, I mean. <laughs> maybe. I, I mean, he eats people. What? Yeah, that's the whole thing. That's I mean, that's Silence of the Lambs. What? That's the Hannibal the movie. Have you been watching ahead? No, like the, the the movies came first. Like there were books and movies, and I mean, it's about Hannibal the cannibal. What? It, okay, what does being a doctor have to do with being a cannibal? Well, I mean, in his case, nothing. He just likes to eat people. I don't. This is crazy. Like, is this like one of your crazy spoiler theories? This no. Is like your like your theory about how. Uh, I well, I can't come up with anything right now. Oh, your your, your theory about Full House that it was they were uh, uh, being forced into stagnation, and any uh, deviation from that stagnation would result in their deaths. All I'm saying is, is that in real life, Becky would never agree to have twins and move into the attic and live there with Jesse indefinitely. That's all I'm saying. That's you, ridiculous. Oh, I want to back up for a second. You said that it doesn't have anything to do with him, but uh, has cannibalism had anything to do with medicine over over the years 
Well, now that you mention it, yeah, the two actually have, have unfortunately, I should say, have had a lot to do with each other. Tell me about it. Um, so before I tell you about the history of medical cannibalism, also this, uh, the fairly similar uh, topic of corpse medicine, uh, I want to thank uh, both Jill and Jana Marie, who recommended this topic. Thanks, you two. Independently of each other. So I figured I'd better jump on it. So we're kind of familiar, I think, with the idea of cannibalism. It's eating people, mm-hmm. right? You know, you know what that is. Yes. And uh, I'm going to talk about when it was used in a medical context, but to give you a little bit of history, um, you know, cannibalism has been around for non-medical purposes for unfortunately a very long time. Uh, there were early tribes in uh, Brazil and Canada that would eat the bodies of warriors that they defeated mm-hmm. in order to obtain their courage. Um, the Aztecs were famous for, I think a lot of people remember those like pictures from history books when they were younger of like all the steps. And then at the top there was like the sacrificial, you know, table. Sure. And then the Aztecs would kill somebody and throw the body down the stairs. Mm-hmm. Doesn't there, Don't you remember that? I, you have a. I think you went to some darker classes than I did in high school, but sure, I'll <laughs> no, grant it to that's, you. That's, I mean, then they would rip their still beating heart out of their chest, and then... oh, you're talking about Temple of Doom, okay? Onom shagai, onom shagai. Sure, was that your history class? <laughs> yeah, I did not have good teachers. <laughs> uh, and then there would be people who would eat parts of the the body as well, but that was all a sacrifice to the gods. So right. it was very much a religious ceremony. Um, the Romans actually practiced a little bit of medical cannibalism. Uh, gladiators who were defeated used to be um, eaten in some cases. Um, epileptics would eat little bits of their liver or drink some of their blood because they, they thought it was a cure for epilepsy. How are they getting to their liver? Well, I mean, they cut them open and took it out. Not their own liver. No. Okay. I was no, the gladiators who would get killed while you know gladiating <laughs> so gladiators would okay so gladiators would get killed and the field would be swarmed by epileptics looking for livers <laughs> yep, to eat yep, the epileptics would run down on the field much ah, like at the end of a football it. game when you want to tear down the goalpost no, although they, instead they wanted to carry off the dead gladiators and eat their livers and eat their liver and Got drink it. their blood <laughs> totally plausible <laughs> um there, there was also a belief, uh, I think this is kind of interesting as we're kind of going through, you know, some of the tribal populations that practice cannibalism, that uh, th- I think this is pretty gory. So they thought that after somebody died, that their soul like kind of hung out with their body mm-hmm. on earth for about four days. Mm-hmm. And then it could ascend to heaven or the afterlife or whatever. So if you ate the body before those four days were up, you would trap the soul forever on earth. Wow. So it was like the worst thing you could do to somebody. Like like the added insult to injury. Like teabagging yeah. the menhalo. That that kind of idea. <laughs> just the worst. Just the Maybe worst possible. Worse. Maybe, Maybe even worse, worse than I that. Would say. Wow. Um there were also on the flip side of that, I should mention, cannibalism was not always a a bad thing, as crazy as that may sound. Hmm. Um there was the Brazilian Wari tribe and there's also the Foray people of Papua New Guinea. Uh both of those uh tribes people would eat the bodies of their own you know members mm-hmm. after they would just die naturally or, or however they would die um and it was a sign of respect and honor to their spirit kind of like soul recycling like keeping them as part of the tribe it's kind of nice actually yeah so well not really because um in papua new guinea this actually led to uh, kuru 
which is a disease similar to like mad cow disease. Mm. So not great. Not a great idea. They should cook. You gotta cook it first. That's the thing. I I don't care how good a friend Davy was. You gotta (laughs) cook Davy. Yeah. No, because if you just eat Davy and Davy's got a brain disease, you're gonna get a brain disease. They actually. That's not what (laughs) Davy would want. When I read about this, they said there's some video games, post-apocalyptic video games, where people are all shaky because they ate people. Really? I thought you would know about that. No, I don't, and I'm, it's supposed to be sim- symptoms of Kuru. I don't pay that close attention to the stories. No. I just like the shooting. So uh, some of these practices in Brazil continued until like the 1960s and maybe Papua New Guinea too. Hmm. It's kind of crazy. But anyway. Oh, uh, I bet they're talking about Resident Evil. Maybe so. Maybe. Okay. I don't know. Something about video games. Not my area. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people are probably familiar with some of these ideas that some of this stuff kind of happened. doesn't really have a lot of medical connection until we get to European history. Uh Uh-oh. Now, this is a part of European history that is largely not talked about, probably because it's kind of embarrassing. (laughs) Um, and I, I will say it makes hypocrites out of a lot of, uh, and not just, I don't want to pick on the Europeans because I'm sure that in, you know that in the new world in america we said the same thing who picked on tribal populations for cannibalism mm-hmm. well uh in the 16th and 17th century it was pretty darn popular everywhere wow um, really so the idea was that there were the human corpses body parts bones blood whatever could be used as medicine this idea became very popular for a while why why did this take hold well there were several different reasons um some you know at the time we're still dealing with some of the humor theory you know that there are humors in the body that you have to balance and part of that was like that there is a spirit to help keep all this in balance and so if the spirit exists somewhere in the human body a lot of people felt like you needed more of it Mm -hmm. (laughs) whatever the spirit was uh and you could get it from another human body so it was a you know that was a pretty basic idea was well you know i'm sick that person was healthy when they died. They probably still have a lot of that health spirit left in their body. Okay, kind of a stretch, <laughs> but I'll allow it. Uh, there's also some influences from homeopathic ideas were popular at their time. Kind of the, we talked about like cures like. Mm-hmm. So bits of skull might be helpful for a headache. Sure. So that was popular at the time. There was also this uh, kind of suspicion that every creature had some sort of predetermined lifespan. Um, like based on illness and there, you know, that at some point everything just kind of goes kaput and you die. Mm-hmm. So if you were killed in an accidental way by some sort of, you know, violence or, you, you know. You might get, it might still be some, well, if you'll pardon <laughs> the expression, meat on them bones. Exactly. You still got some life in you that they could harvest, you know, by eating you. Sure. Um, so how did they, so they had this idea, uh, where did they get the bodies from initially? Uh, graveyards? Not yet. First, the Egyptian mummies. Oh, man. I know. Uh, That's why I've never found a mummy. <laughs> That's because they were all eaten they ate by the all. Europeans. All I ever wanted to do is find one mummy. Never. So, so they were, they started, you know, uncovering these mummies. There were a lot of archaeological digs that were finding these mummies. And, you know, um, I guess maybe it was because the flesh was so far removed from human flesh at that point. And aged to perfection. <laughs> Dry aged. Yeah. <laughs> like a fine steak. Yeah. Um, like prosciutto. <laughs> it was it, it was prized because it was, they knew there was a way that the Egyptians used to preserve mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. human flesh that they didn't really understand. And so they thought there was some sort of magic or science or something special about that. And then, the, like I said, I think part of it was just the aesthetic. The flesh no longer looked like flesh. It was dry and dark and crumbly. And it was something you could easily, like, crush up and make a powder out of and sprinkle on something. And it would have very little, you know, in your mind, contextually, to do with, like, a human. Right. So that's where people started. We've got these mummies. <laughs> let's, let's grind them up and eat them. <laughs> That's certainly what you were hoping for when you paid for mummification. <laughs> Can I get a guarantee? This I, I got to tell you, Dale. This is a little steep for my taste. Can I get a guarantee from you that opportunistic future people won't eat me? <laughs> well, it's kind of a shame because really, I guess people who couldn't afford to be mummified were probably better off. Yeah, they couldn't be eaten by Europeans. Yeah take that or people who just, years later or people who did pay to be mummified but didn't spring for the sealant because that's <laughs> the only thing that's going to keep those yeah the people who will attempt to eat you out you got to get the sealant yep uh so let's talk about how what parts of the human you can use for medicine or well i should say this you can't use it for medicine but they thought you could okay uh and what they used it for so first of all the flesh of a human okay so you can crumble it up. And this is how they originally used a lot of, of mummy, you know, because like I said, it was all dry anyway. So you can make it powdery really easily. So you could crumble it up into like a powder and use it in a tincture to stop. They thought you could use it to stop internal bleeding. Oh, okay. Like, okay. So that doesn't, there's a certain logic to that, right? So it's like a powdery blood. So it would like help coagulate like a thickener. I mean, it wouldn't work, but I can see where they were coming from. Sure. Right. Of course it wouldn't work. It makes sense to me. Of course, it wouldn't work. <laughs> the uh, it was used for blood clots. It was used for coughs. It was used for menstrual problems. So a wide array of uses for human flesh. Um, you you could uh, take the whole a whole big piece of the corpse, make a paste out of it, and put it on any bruises you have, which seems a little extreme for a bruise. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just going to go away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just you know, don't grind up a human and put it on there. Um, I, there was one particular recipe that I liked which was if you could find the the flesh of a cadaver of a like a man who was reddish or had reddish hair something red <laughs> and if he was around 24 and dead from <laughs> violence not an illness and then you cut it into chunks and then you added some myrrh and a little bit of aloe and then soaked it in wine for several days that that would be really good for just about anything you can come up with or nothing <laughs> maybe or getting you arrested. Yeah. Nauseating Or a psychiatric you. evaluation. Right. Um, or if you don't like that. Alienating your parents. <laughs> you could just take his, his heart and pulverize it and then take one dram on an empty stomach if you get dizzy. Wow. I mean, I don't know if that would impact my dizziness at all, but I have some light nausea. <laughs> I, what I don't understand is how dizzy are you? Uh, yeah, I don't know the point of dizziness where like where you go from whoa, I better sit down to whoa, I better eat somebody. <laughs> I've never I been, better eat a mummy. I've never been that dizzy in whoa. my entire life. You need me to help you up? No, just give, give me a mummy flesh. <laughs> Can you just give me some mummy real quick? Do we have a mummy around the house? I'm emergently dizzy. <laughs> go down to the druggist and purchase a mummy. <laughs> 
can't why can't I get out of these people finding mummies? And why are they eating them? I don't know. I don't because I don't know. What did they think their grandchildren were gonna do if they ate all the mummies? <laughs> It really shows a lack of force of foresight, you know. Mummies are to like, renew clearly, all these Yeah, stars. clearly mummies mummies like oil and coal are all gonna go away someday. <laughs> you know, for every mummy you eat, you gotta plant through mummies. <laughs> That's the only way deep mummy station is gonna is gonna keep a sustainable. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna have to look for alternative mummy sources. <laughs> Or wind mummies or solar mummies. <laughs> oh Christ! <laughs> yeah, everybody tells you that ethanol mummies are that are going to be the no, fix, that's but the that's future. no, don't listen no, to, don't listen to that. That's Willie not Nelson's going to try to sell you on corn mummies. <laughs> that's a whole other problem. Holy crap! Okay, all right. So, um, what other mummy parts can we eat? <laughs> well, okay, I kind of alluded to this already, but the skull was also a great thing for mm-hmm. for its medicinal value. Um, like I like I said, it's good for headaches. If you grind up the skull into powder, it's great for headaches. Again, for epilepsy, because they kind of had a sense of epilepsy started with the head, which mm-hmm. they were, I mean, you know, the brain, they're right. Um, not that grinding up a skull works for that. But. No, yeah. Uh, there was a certain um, recipe that called for mixing it with chocolate, ground up skull with chocolate and making a drink out of it. I'll try it. I wouldn't be too bad. I'll try it, yeah. Um, Why not? I'll drink Ovaltine. What's the difference? It's got calcium. <laughs> And uh, and this was skull was particularly popular among the royals. Well, yeah. Uh, King Charles II had something invented. Well, he he purchased a large amount of ground up skull, and had it uh, dissolved in alcohol, and he would carry it in a in a tiny little dropper. They were called the king's drops, and he paid a ton of money for this stuff. Yeah, I'd probably like charge a small the king fortune. a ton for that too. <laughs> and he would take these drops pretty much every day. Which wouldn't be too bad. I mean, it's an alcohol, you know. Yeah. But uh, King Francis the uh, First was also uh, enamored with with skull powder, and um, he would carry some, at least some part of the mummy skull or something, in a pouch at his waist at all times, just to keep that good mummy energy flowing into him. Just in case it was in case he got in an accident or got sick. Okay. Yeah, you got to keep an emergency mummy supply. <laughs> it was like his epipen. Okay. <laughs> Somebody mummy me. I can't reach my mummy. Do you have a first aid kit? No, but I've got some mummy. <laughs> In a bag. <laughs> In a bag tied around my waist. I found a mummy. I'm going to eat it. <laughs> um, similar to the skull, it was also believed that the moss that would grow over the skull, like while it was decomposing, buried in the ground, um, this moss is called usnea. Okay was was very good it had all kinds of medicinal properties and they thought it was good for epilepsy again a lot of stuff was good everything was nobody understood epilepsy so we'll just throw anything at it yeah and then uh and then for nosebleeds which actually there's a little bit of sense here really (laughs) so you would take like a wad of the moss and shove it up your nose when you had a nosebleed well yeah i mean that's not that far from what we would do except with tp right so i mean that probably worked yeah right and then wait and then wait, but that, but the the usnea, I will say, um, it was a lot of people. A lot of people tried to make like fake 
Osnia tried to like sell you powders and stuff that looked like it was made of the moss but wasn't Mm -hmm. so the people who were smart or had enough money to do so would demand that it come attached to the skull I want the skull right with the moss growing on it so that I know for sure that this is the real deal skull moss and not that imposter <laughs> skull moss that grew on not a human body on a tree or something. What about blood, Sid? I know we had to had to be uh, eating mummy blood. Well, uh, I do. I have a lot to tell you about blood, Justin. But um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to do that quite yet. I don't know if that's something that your insurance will cover, me informing you about blood. So um, I'm going to need you to head over to our billing department and uh, and find out, okay? Sure. The medicines, the medicines that escalate macabre for the mouth. Sydney, you know how you're always saying that you'd like to build a Justin McRoy fan site full of all your favorite quotes, clips, videos, and hunky pictures of beloved podcaster Justin McRoy? I don't remember. Well, there's that- no need to wait any longer, Sydney, because Squarespace is going to make it easier then you could possibly believe to make a website uh, all about your favorite hunky podcasting superstar i don't think i was going squarespace to... what is it it's a tool think of it as the palette the palette of a web design artist but you don't have to be a web design artist you could just take stuff off the palette that is created by real people that know what they're really doing and put it from the palette onto the easel the metaphor is broken down basically you're going to be able to create great looking websites that have fantastic customer support and help you unlock your creativity and do whatever you want to with your small business or podcaster obsession. You can sell products. You can uh, post your videos. You can share your stories about how Justin has shaped your life and is also a fantastic father. Folks, you got to stop waiting to make your Justin McElroy fan site. Go to squarespace.com slash sawbones for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch your Justin McElroy fan site, Use offer code SAWBONES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We have just started rehearsing for the summer theater. That's right. Summer starts in March around these parts, and that means we don't have much time at all in the evenings to make dinner. But we will not be just consuming Wendy's, uh, although there will be some Wendy's consumed. But we are going to have a little extra help with Factor, which delivers ready-to-eat delicious meals right to your door, and not like junky stuff you get out of the freezer aisle, whatever. This is real, high-quality, chef-crafted stuff that in two minutes you're ready to eat it. I'm talking about some Southwestern-style turkey and mac. I think this week I'm going to be enjoying a shredded chicken taco bowl is 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 part of my plan. Um, but they got like fancy stuff. Listen to this. What are you going to get this? Truffle butter filet mignon. I mean, seriously? From 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 a, a box pre-prepared, all I got in two minutes, I'm eating filet mignon. That sounds delicious. Yeah, it sounds delicious. And you can give these a try. And it's not just these meals. We're talking pancakes, smoothies. They got some great wellness shots that are surprisingly delicious. And the meals you just eat and eat. There's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup. Get as much as you need by choosing your meals every week. You're going to get exactly what you want. No surprises here. Uh, and the meals, I can say, are delicious. So what do you got to lose? Head on over to factormeals.com slash sawbones50 and use code sawbones50 to get 50% off. That's code sawbones50 at factormeals.com slash sawbones50 to get 50% off.
blood. Tell me about blood, Sydney. So let me tell you about blood, Justin. Thanks for settling up your accounts. It's my pleasure. <laughs> I'll provide you with some more medical information. Um, so, you know, the idea that blood could be used for something, that blood has a lot of power, that's not a new concept. I mean, mm-hmm. all throughout medical history, we find people doing weird things with blood. And that lady on American uh, Horror Story Coven, remember? Madame Delorean. Yes, who like to like, and that and the, this idea probably comes from this. Who like to you know rub blood all over her skin to keep it youthful and drink blood to stay young and healthy. Right. And um, there's this also is a special on the similar. History Channel every Halloween about people like this. About people who were like real vampires, but they weren't real. I mean, History's they weren't real, real vampires because there aren't real vampires. History Channel. Okay, History Channel. <laughs> there aren't real vampires or werewolves. We know this. History okay. Channel. Stop trying to fool us, History Channel. Anyway, sorry. So uh, they we thought- get upset about that. Yeah, so <laughs> it's literally the the it, a brief diversion. It's the, literally the most you could screw up your job. History Channel is to be like vampires. I don't know. Are they? They aren't. No. Stop it. No. You're embarrassing yourself. Anyway, sorry. Although we do watch it and enjoy. I mean, it. we'll watch it. <laughs> so blood was good for vitality. That makes sense. Um, now the one thing that got tricky about blood and the reason that um and this is as i'm going to talk about we started to move away from mummies as our only source for Mm -hmm. human flesh medicine um was that the thought was if you're going to get blood it's got to be fresh (laughs) they're just making this stuff up wholesale yeah if it's going to help you it probably needs to be fresh blood not mummy blood not mummy blood because how do you get mummy blood fresh mummy blood is one of the great oxymorons (laughs) So so the closer you could get to fresh, the better the blood was going to be. Um, if you didn't like ingesting it just as blood. And I don't. Because, I mean, that's, I mean, how did people, you know, consume the blood? They just drank it. Yeah. Uh, but if that freaked you out, which it should, hello, um, there's, there was a recipe that one guy came up with for blood marmalade. Ah, delicious. So you could spread that on your toast in the morning. Yeah, why not? Um, don't let the kids get that. <laughs> Wasn't like Paddington Bear a big Paddington fan of Paddington Bear loved blood marmalade. <laughs> I don't remember that from the book. Vampire but. Paddington loved blood marmalade. <laughs> uh, they thought, of don't course... Don't get me started on Vampire Madeline. <laughs> we love our bread, we love our butter, but most of all, we love blood. <laughs> uh, obviously, blood from young, healthy people was better. Or virgins, even better. Listen, I'm 33 now, and... Uh, I obviously know the blood from young people is better. <laughs> um, this got to the point where people would stand at the uh, hanging scaffold when, when somebody was going, you know, to be hanged, hung, hanged. In that context, it's hanged, right? Mm-hmm. Hanged. And uh, would have their cups ready. And after afterwards, sometimes the if the hangman was in a good, good mood, would slice open a vein for you and let you take a little bit. Yeah. For the road. I bet you got to kick in some shillings, though. Well, well, yes, you had to pay him. What was even better is if you were lucky, it was going to be a beheading, a public oh. beheading. Oh, yeah. Nice. So then you could either, you know, as soon as the head get that Gallagher, <laughs> fell off. Get that Gallagher splash mat on the front <laughs> yes. row and just collect it. And that's exactly it. They would try to get as close as possible to get sprayed by the blood when the head came off. Oh, my God. I thought that I was is, no, kidding. Dead serious. That should be the subtitle of Solomon's, I thought I was kidding. <laughs> no, people would either bring their cup to try to drink some or at the very least get sprayed by the blood after the head was chopped off yikes um fat was also used that was another popular 
uh, popular human substance. Um, human fat bandages were soaked in. So again, we're moving into fresher corpses. Um, human fat can be liquidy when it gets warm. Mm-hmm. Um, anybody who's ever been in an anatomy lab has experienced this. You can soak bandages in it and wrap wounds in it for wound healing. Or uh, you can just rub it all over your skin. It's good for gout, arthritis, rheumatism, whatever. Just rub fat all over you. Okay. Or, I mean, don't. Don't do that Um, because it's gross. (laughs) There were also minor uses for brains, for um, the stuff that come out of a gallbladder, for breast milk, for bladder stones. Um, There were other kind of recipes that centered around these products. But the, the main things, like I said, the blood, the fat, the skull, the flesh, that's what people were using. But as we've alluded to, the problem is they they were running out of mummies. <laughs> you can, there's a limited supply of mummies, people. You can only eat so many. And obviously, you know, I, I haven't said this so far. There were people who were who were against this. Thank God. Not everybody was into eating people. And there were plenty of doctors and clergymen and politicians and then just normal like everyday people who were like hey i don't think we should eat people that sounds like a bad idea we probably shouldn't eat all the mummies like this is may, maybe maybe we're gonna like look at them in a museum someday or buy children with them it's me 1700s wilford brimley <laughs> it seems like there's not as many mummies around as there used to be yeah i've been noticing it too <laughs> mummy eating is a serious problem and if we want there to be mummies for the next generation we've got to stop eating them uh, because of the the relatively uh, fewer amount of mummies available for eating they started to become pricey mm-hmm. the price I saw quoted at one point was five sterling a pound Wow, which I'm guessing was a lot of that the must time. be organic mummy <laughs> pricey uh they uh so so because it was becoming so pricey and because there weren't as many mummies available um especially people in the lower classes were trying to find ways to benefit from this good dead people medicine Mm -hmm. without you know having to break the bank so they started trying to cure and i use the word cure as in like ham or meat oh okay cure recently dead especially strong men but women would do too as long as they were healthy and vital before they died struck down in the flower of their youth um (laughs) that's essential the potential the potential that's what you're wanting that they would start curing them in like honey and herbs Mm. so like put them in a box fill it with honey throw a bunch of herbs in there put them in the ground and then you can take chunks of that and use it for medicine no, I'm um, hungry. There, there were also, as you mentioned earlier, this is when grave robbing for this purpose became pretty popular. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I mean, if you were an enterprising young pharmacist or doctor or whoever, you know, dig up some bodies and sell sell stuff as medicine. Um, if nobody was dead, as a last resort, and you don't want to kill anybody, please don't. You could always drink menstrual blood. Mm, no, I think I'm just going to just be just keep my dizziness. Thank you. I'll just be yeah, dizzy. That, how bad are you feeling? Yeah. How? Yeah. What problem do you have? Oh, oh man. They talked about even um, after. Some... I would eat a mummy first. There. I said <laughs> it. I need a mummy. After some royalty died, if they had some sort of illness that caused bleeding before they died, the, 
the rags or the towels that were used, you know, to to mm-hmm. wipe up the blood would be like people would rub them on themselves and try to like squeeze them and soak them in water to drink that to get some of that royal blood. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, as you can imagine, uh, you know, if grave robbing isn't bad enough, um, some really bad stuff came out of this because anytime, well, there's a shortage of dead people we need, that we can use to make medicine. We need some more dead people. You can imagine that somebody started doing some bad stuff. Uh, one of the worst examples I found was, and I didn't know this, Pope Innocent the Eighth, mm-hmm. on his deathbed, uh, to try to keep him from dying, his doctors prescribed him the blood of three young boys. Mm. And he drank the blood of all three of these young boys in an attempt to save his life before he eventually succumbed to his illness and all three boys died. Now, he's the one your people consider infallible, right? That's Pope Innocent. The, beca- well, is that the one? Your people? Your people? just throw this around? <laughs> your people? Listen, okay, the Catholic Church <laughs> has not had a spotless history, when all right? When it comes to young boys. Sorry, and young all boys right. throughout history. All right. We've screwed up sometimes take ownership of your mistakes no, not the yes no the pope innocent. is not pope, the pope is not infallible all the time pope innocent the eighth the eighth <laughs> pope innocent was the one that drank the blood of young boys the first seven probably didn't <laughs> <laughs> probably um uh, of course this led to people who were poor and desperate uh being compelled to sell their blood for money Mm-hmm. Not hey, not unlike today's exactly, college years. Exactly. Um, only at this point, you would you know either cut yourself and sell a cup of your blood to somebody who wanted to drink it, or, or if you were willing, you could get more money if you would let an old person suck it directly from your arm. <sighs> uh. <laughs> okay. But that's how you could make the most because they thought if they could get it straight from the source, ooh, then you're really. You know, yeah, gonna. I don't know, drinking something. blood. Uh, then you're drinking blood. Um, there was also, as we've talked about before, a lot of bleeding going on, bloodletting at this point, you know, from doctors and barbers and whatnot. So, uh, there was an added incentive to one bleed your patient maybe a little more than they need to because then you just take all that blood, put them in some jars, advertise them in your shop window, and sell them. Hey, why not? So, you're bleeding one guy and having another guy drink it. Sure. And you can bleed him later. Convenience. Um, and then as I, again, as I kind of mentioned, the executioners had a whole side business now. So you could just divvy up your corpses and sell them off to people <laughs> in chunks or, you know, sell their blood or whatever you wanted to do. I mean, a lot of the time, if we're talking about criminals, these people are not going to get like a, a proper burial. Right. So nobody was going to object to what the executioners were doing with the bodies. Good, good for the environment. Uh, I don't know, maybe, but I mean, I mean, bad for like human soul, bad for yeah, human, maybe like, bad for our, just the world at large, but congregate. But I don't for know. The earth. So you know, the, and the fear of this was that um, if we look back, and a lot of this is supposition, were people killing like beggars or lepers? Were they grabbing plague victims and using them for this? Ugh, Possibly. God. Uh, dead criminals was this a motivation for killing off members of society that they thought wouldn't be missed maybe i don't know this may led me to question like hey maybe sweeney todd was a doctor 
<laughs> Did you consider that? Maybe. 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 Just baking up maybe people they wouldn't pies. Have been, maybe they wouldn't have been so upset if they'd found out what was actually in them. Maybe they would have been excited. Hey. They might have been stoked. He just took the wrong, it was the wrong, like, Should advertise. Yeah. yeah. Does this happen today, Sid? I mean, no. this is a medical practice. No, today. we don't eat people anymore. I mean, I mean, you shouldn't eat people anymore. The best I could come up with as like um, a correlation to today was, I know that placenta eating is popular among I don't know Matthew McConaughey and <laughs> somebody else, other people on the internet. We watched it. Mm-hmm. People blend up their placentas and eat them. Yeah, why not? Um, but other than that, and I don't know that that's. I mean, yes, that is a human product. Uh, thank goodness, no one is harmed or killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, no, there is no medical benefit to eating people. I can't believe I had to say that. Yeah, there. There's just no to medical benefit to eating. Please don't eat people. Thanks. Uh, and thank you to you at home listening for being so cool. I know it's kind of a different, it's kind of a change having advertising on the show, but you're not losing any show. And we get to feed our daughter. <laughs> So that works great. So for there's us. a really important part. It's a really important part. Yeah. But no, seriously, we're not that hard up. All right, we appreciate you, you guys, uh, being so cool about it in advance. Uh, remember, you can tweet uh, at Sawbones is our uh, username on Twitter. Uh, thank you to people tweeting uh, about us, like Melinda, your psycho future ex, Ben Limpic, Rob Thomas, Claire Jarvis, Samo. Bamboo Media, or maybe Media, maybe. I bet Media. Media, probably. Nicole, Angela Hamilton, Tiffany, and Corey Dutson, Mike F., many, 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 many others. Thank you so, so much. Yeah, thank you, guys. You can always tweet at us, too, at Sydney McElroy or at Justin McElroy. Uh, and uh, I think that's going to do it for us. Thanks to the taxpayers. Let us use their song medicines for our intro and outro. You can look for on Twitter, buy all their music. And uh, I guess it's going to be at MaximumFun.org. Listen to all, all the shows there, like uh, George, Jesse, Go, Wham, Bam, Pal, One Bad Mother, Stop Podcasting Yourself. My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Oh, thank you so much, Sydney. And, and all the other shows that Justin isn't a part of. Yeah, there's many. There's many, <laughs> there's many I, I, that I, don't feature Justin I many, many more there. I'm, I'm, there are many that do not fi- feature me, and they are well worth your time. Uh, all at MaximumFun.org as, as our forums and so much else. Anyway, that's going to do it for us. Thanks for listening to our show. We'll be back next Tuesday with another episode of Sawbones. Until then, I'm Justin McElroy. I'm Sydney McElroy. As always, don't drill a hole in your head. All right. Yeah. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.